0: No longer an apartment 125, but it is surely unfiltered. Welcome back to 125 Unfiltered. I've got a huge episode for you guys today. It's going to be the biggest weekend roundup I've had for Tar Heel Nation because we had field hockey winning a national championship. We're going to start with them. Women's soccer making it to the Elite Eight. Men's basketball still number one in the country. Going to have to talk about football as well with their disappointing loss to Georgia Tech. But I've got it all covered for you guys. So strap up, buckle up, and get ready because we're recapping everything Tar Heel Athletics right now. Let's start with field hockey. The storybook ending is complete for the Tar Heels. They beat number two Northwestern two to one in the Field Hockey National Championship. Aaron Matson wins her fourth national title in five years, cementing herself as one of the greatest UNC athletes of all time. UNC, a very defensive game from them. Only allowed two shots from Northwestern, both in the fourth period. So those first three periods, they shut them down. They got the scoring and started 17 minutes in. Off uh, a penalty corner, Sitsuka Bruning shot a ball in. Riley Heck gets a deflection, goes into the goal for their first goal of the game. And it looked like UNC was going to be able to run out this clock in the fourth period. But on their only corner of the game, Northwestern scores with a minute 58 left. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, this game's going to overtime. On their lone shot on goal, they capitalize. That's what it's all about. UNC outshot them 15-2, 9-1 on target but at this point. We were a minute and 58 seconds away from going to sudden death overtime. But just 39 seconds later, a high ball sent to Peyton Worth going down the right side, dribbles across a defender, shoots it, and none other than Aaron Matson gets a touch to put the ball through the defender's legs for the game-winning goal to cap off her legacy, to cap off the greatness that Aaron Matson is for UNC Field Hockey and Tar Heel Nation as a whole. Goal with a minute and 19 seconds left to win the national championship. And what an incredible moment. Uh, The announcer had such a great call on it. An amazing end of the game. And the UNC Tar Heels come out on top 2-1 to to win the program's 10th national title. First off, what a game. What a game towards the end. It got so, I mean... It was back and forth with the goals in the, in the final two minutes. Great defense. Everyone was hustling hard. Uh, apparently, Ashley Cecil like broke her nose. I was really able to only able to watch the, the fourth quarter because I was at the men's basketball game, but this is incredible. Uh, Aaron Matson. she truly is a top four athlete in UNC history. I'm putting her on my Mount Rushmore, which I'm going to get to at the end of this episode, uh, but four-time champion, five-time ACC champion, Soon to be four-time National Player of the Year, Erin Matson. There's, I mean, there's no other way to describe her. She's incredible, an incredible teammate, an incredible player, and it's only fitting that she gets a goal to end off her career in Carolina Blue. In the semis, they beat Penn State three to zero. So, nine shutouts on the season for this team. Uh, This team was dominant throughout the year. Uh, I guess the, we're kind of getting into my review. Uh, the freshmen were fantastic. Riley Heck, Ashley Sessa combined for 27 goals on the season. Sitska Bruni was so good on both sides of the ball. We cannot forget about Meredith Shoulder because Meredith Shoulder, one of the most valuable players in all of college field hockey because she holds the fort down on the defensive end, winning HCC Defensive Player of the Year. But on the other side, she can set up the offense. She can play forward. She can play midfield. Such a versatile player. It really showed she had so many uh, stops on... On Sunday, along with Rome, Ricardo, Madison Orabona, you got to give credit to this back line because they were stellar for the pretty much this entire game, minus the one penalty corner they gave up. Uh, and that's what it comes down to: defense really does win championships. And when you have Aaron Masson on your team to go get you a goal, Peyton Worth I thought was fantastic in the final four. She had an assist. Uh, and a goal I believe in the Penn State game gets an assist here she really stepped up Uh, and Caroline on our last episode she called it saying that Peyton Worth was someone you got to look out for Uh, and as a as a senior she really contributed and that that whole goal at the end the game winning goal was really attributed to her um we thought it was Worth who got the game-winning goal. Matson got the tip in. We'll take the goal how it is. But Peyton Worth created that. I think it was Rome who sent the long pass. That just goes to show uh, when it comes down to the wire and you need your star player to convert, Aaron Matson was there. And I'll quickly talk about her legacy because um, this was obviously her last game for the Tar Heels. But, again, one of the most selfless star players you'll ever meet Always about the team, never about herself. But how good she is compared to everyone else, I don't think we're going to see something like her at UNC in a long, long time. It's not just her persona and who she is on and off the field. Or I, I guess I should say it this way. It's not just who she is on the field. It's also who she is off the field, the credit she gives to her teammates, but also how she glides with that field hockey stick, playing like she's on ice. It's actually so impressive to watch how dangerous she is She's obviously going to continue for the national team. Who knows what her future holds uh, in, in field hockey beyond that. But we're going to really miss Aaron Mattson. So congratulations to her on such an incredible career. And I can't leave out the other seniors. Meredith Shoulder, congrats on an awesome career. Six years with Carolina. Uh, four national championships as well. Rome Ricardo, I believe, is a fifth year. Um, I could go all, all the way down the list. But from top to bottom, this team was was, was one of the most talented uh, college teams I have seen uh, since getting here in Carolina in 2020. Uh, this team was dominant. They won games convincingly. They blew out opponents. And when you come up against a tough team like Northwestern, they handled their business. And when adversity was staring them right in the face as an overtime, which anything can happen in these overtimes because you got less players on the field, it's sudden death, it's one penalty corner, one shot that can change the game. Uh, they capitalized less than 40 seconds off of a Northwestern goal. when they have all the momentum That's what champions are made of. So, yeah, super happy that Field Hockey was able to pull out the win. Again, congratulations on the 2022 Field Hockey National Championships, UNC. uh, And obviously, big credit to Northwestern for putting up a pretty good fight because they held their end uh, on the defensive side of the ball. But unfortunately, uh, Aaron Matson was not on their team. Um, I could go on and on for how great Aaron is, but we do have to get to these other sports. Let's go to women's soccer. Uh, a very exciting game on Saturday morning against BYU. Now, this is actually a team we've played this year. We scrimmaged them earlier in the year, 1-2-0. to But BYU was unbeaten since September 10th heading into this game. They had the highest amount of shots, I believe, in the country. So this is a very good Cougar team that could have come into Chapel Hill and pulled off yet another upset. They beat Stanford in a penalty shootout. UNC coming off of a win against Georgia, 3-1. to And they got off fast in this game. Talia Della Peruta stepping in for Sam Meza yet again. Scores a beautiful goal. Isabel Cox with a great turn. Makes a great feed to Della Peruta. And with one touch with her left foot, she bangs it into the bottom right corner. Slides it past the goalie for the 1-0 lead. Then an interesting goal by BYU. Olivia Wade just pretty much dribbles all the way up from, from midfield into the box. Miscommunication on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, for the heels, didn't know where, uh, Tori Hansen or Julia Dorsey were going. Got to commit to the ball. You can't commit to the runner. Uh, they didn't, they, they didn't stop the ball and it was one, one at halftime. That goal scored in the 19th minute. Uh, but then it was the Maddie Darlene show in the second half, two goals from Darlene, both assisted by Avery Patterson. Darlene is just fantastic. I mean, she's always around the ball. She's always involved in creating goals. And although an Allie Fryer goal, uh, a pretty good chip shot, um, from the left side of the box that uh, another just blundered defensively from the Tar Heels. And we'll get into it in a bit. Um, That goal by Fryer was not enough. The Heels were able to hang on three to two, make it to the quarterfinals as they head to South Bend to play Notre Dame on Saturday. That's going to be a huge game. Notre Dame, the one seed on their uh, part of the bracket, Carolina, the two, obviously. Now let's get into my thoughts of this game. First off, Maddie Darlene is so electric, man. I mean, her footwork was so impressive this game. The ability to find an open space in the defense and then use a touch to create space again. Her second goal, I mean, that pass by Patterson in. She takes that outside touch, that big outside touch, and what that does is you're right-footed, right? So the defenders converging on you, creating that space, they have to pivot again, and you've got a way better direct line on goal whether if you just trap it. So Darlene creating space, really, really good, uh, gets a good shot on goal obviously the brace, uh, can't deny, uh, how dangerous Maddie Darlene has been the last month of the season and Patterson doing a great job finding her teammates with two assists, uh, on the game. I mean, she's obviously the top goal scorer of this team statistically, but she did a great job, uh, involving her teammates and, you know, making the right passes in the box when she very well just could have taken a shot. Um, and I really thought guys that for 25 minutes, um, the first 25 minutes of the second half that this team looked like they could win a national championship. That's how impressed I was. They had 19 shots, 9 on goal uh, throughout the game. But in that, that first part of the second half, they were creating chances. They were making great runs. Their passing was superb this whole game. I've been telling people, Talia Della Pruda is an absolute baller. And she's showing it. Two goals in the last two games. I think she was the best midfielder on the field for both teams on Saturday, and it's not because she scored a goal, it's because she's aggressive, she gets after it, she's involved in the offense, she's pushing the pace, just like Sam does, so if Sam is unable to come back, Talia Prude is going to be a huge X-factor against Notre Dame, because not only do you have to try and get a goal, um... Potentially from the midfield spot, you got to stop Corbin Albert. Uh, one of the best scorers in the country, 16 goals on the season, 10 from outside the box. She's got an absolute cannon from outside the box. Uh, we'll see how the midfield holds up there, but uh look Della Pruda is really hitting her stride I always knew she had the talent but coming back from Team USA injured and last year dealing with injury it's hard to get into a rhythm and we're really seeing her find her stride as she's getting starter minutes playing with the starters uh if I'm Coach Dorrance and Meza comes back I'm leaving Della Pruda in I don't know if you take out uh Emily Colton or if you take out Libby Moore and move Colton back to CDM but uh, I think she has played so well that you gotta keep her in the starting lineup. You gotta roll with the hot hand, or I guess in this case, the hot foot. Um, defensively, I'm a little nervous. I did not like the breakdowns uh, on BYU's goals. I, I know we tried a 3 5 2, and we had, uh, but it looked like we were still 4 3 3, and with Emerson Elgin at left back instead of Tessa Delarose. Now, if we're in a 3 5 2, I totally get playing Emerson at the third center back spot. She's a natural center back. But if we do go back to four defense, uh, four in defense, I want Tessa back out there. Um, I know she had a bad game against Florida State. I even got on her for that on here. But she's too strong defensively. Uh, pushing people off the ball um, and it's not even like being over aggressive she just bodies people, she's just stronger than, than the right wing and she's got pretty good pace I think she needs to gain some confidence back because it's tough when you lose some minutes when you've been starting the whole season as a freshman um, but I, I would like to see Tessa back in that left back spot, now again if we do have three center backs um, do not think uh, Tessa should go to the other center back keep, keep Emerson uh, out on the pitch there but overall, this team is playing really, really well right now. Uh, they've got three goals in the uh, or eleven goals in three tournament games. Rather, the offense is really finding uh, the right pace to play at. They're playing really good balls, they're attacking up the middle. Again, the Della Pruda goal was just an embodiment of how good this offense can be. It doesn't just have to be crosses. The turn by Isabel Cox, the footwork was fantastic. Uh, and then the the one-touch shot, uh, that's a tough goal. It, it was just beautiful soccer. Uh, and then the fact that they could hold on defensively the last 15 minutes of the game while BYU pressed up, that's really important uh, as well that they were able to show that they, they they bent a little bit this game, but they did not break. And again, they've got a monster on their hand in Notre Dame. Her name is Corbin Albert. Again, I uh, have to stop her. If I'm giving my X factor for this game, I'm go- again, I'm going with Talia Della Pruda. She's got to be a force in the midfield, especially if Sam Meza is out. Look for her to, her to score again. Um, and then if I'm looking for someone else, I'm looking at Emily Murphy off the bench. Uh, I really think she can... If the starters aren't rolling, because we have our good goal scorers, that's a big thing we learned from this tournament so far. Patterson, Sentinel, Maddie Dulling are going to be our three go-to scorers. But if they're struggling or they're not having a good game, look for Emily Murphy to score off the bench because she's got pace, she's got talent, and she's not afraid to shoot. Uh, And she always finds a way. She has a knack of just being in the right spot, making the right run at the right time. Either way, going to be a fantastic game on Saturday at 6 p.m., hopefully I'm able to watch it, and it's not just on ESPN Plus because I don't have ESPN Plus. But um, that's going to cap off women's soccer. Let's go to men's basketball. Going to go not too in depth for these, but uh, after a very close win against Gardner Webb, UNC with their best performance of the season, taking down a red hot James Madison team 80 to 64. RJ Davis led the way with 21 points. Armando Baycott, a career high, 23 rebounds. To go along with his 19 points. Pete Nance added an 11. kill, Love with 9. I thought the bench played pretty well. Puff Johnson came back from injury for his first game of the season. Uh, and a big thing here. Out-rebounded the Dukes 50-34. to The first couple games did not have uh, a good time rebounding the ball. Armando was huge on the boards. Uh, I thought defensively we played pretty well. JMU uh, scored... They averaged about 90 points coming into this game. And... Even though the the start of the second half was really shaky as James Madison cut down a 19-point lead from halftime to about 9 or 8 in the second half, uh, UNC had a really complete game. I thought the first half was the best half of basketball they played all year long. They were moving the ball. There was a point in the game they had 8 assists on their first 10 baskets. Uh, That's what it's all about. RJ Davis had 5 assists. Um, That's what you want from your point guard. Caleb did not have his best game. Three of eleven, only one of six from three. Th- uh, the three ball, not necessarily falling right now, but I'm not too concerned. Did have three assists. Uh, I, I do think I would like to see him get a little more involved than he was against JMU. But if you got RJ rolling, I mean seven of sixteen, it's almost fifty percent. Uh, you've got to roll with the hot hand. I think that's how it's going to be for these guards. We saw Caleb, um, n- not not with terrible body language, but um, you could tell he was he was frustrated that he wasn't able to score the ball as well. Uh, but he's he, he's got to know that he's going to have games where he's going to miss shots. And um, the the one thing that him and RJ have to figure out is um, the just how to prevent the really bad pull-up three-pointers with very little time on the shot clock. We can't get to that point. Um, I thought the press break was a big note for me. I thought we played the press pretty darn well. JMU really... Uh, try to get up in us and force turnovers because we've seen teams bother us with the press. We obviously know Baylor last year, but even UNCW and um, Gardner-Webb really gave us some trouble with the press, so I thought we broke it down well. Putting Pete Nance next to R.J. Davis kind of in the first half of the court, I thought was fantastic because he's a high target. He can dribble the ball and you can just throw it up there to him. He's going to keep the ball high uh, and advance it forward. We didn't dribble around too much, I thought, on the press break. So great job there from the heels. Uh, we got Portland on Thanksgiving. But the first test coming up is going to be Indiana. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis uh, leading the squad for the Hoosiers. He had 30 points against Xavier, uh, I believe, a few days ago. And um, this Indiana team, just like us, brought everyone back. Pretty much so that's going to be a, a huge test to see how we can hang with uh, our, our first our first main challenge. Uh, but I feel like there's a lot to be happy about with this game. I love how Seth Trimble played. Love how he got a knockdown, a three DeMarco Dunn made a three. When you get 15 points off the bench from those three guys total, uh, I, I think you gotta be happy with that because yes, a lot of our scoring production is going to come from our starting five, but I think the bench was playing really well. I think they should have played more puff uh 13 minutes Seth with 12 DeMarco 5. I want to see them out there more, especially uh if we have a if we have a lead and we have a cushion, give our guys some rest. We don't need to play Caleb and RJ 35 minutes a game. But that's going to do it for the men's basketball segment. Let's end it off on a more somber note with UNC football. Man, just disappointing, guys. I didn't want to end it this way. Actually, we're not going to end it this way because we're going to end it with Mount Rushmore. But, UNC football loses to Georgia Tech 21-17. We were up 17-0 with about four minutes left in the second quarter. And then it all went wrong. The offense was rolling before that. The run game was good. But that second half was one of the ugliest halves we've seen from Drake May. From the defense, not being able to stop the run that well. And obviously... The massive elephant in the room. Josh Downs dropping what would have been the go-ahead touchdown. Now, let's break this up a little bit. Let's start with Drake, 16 of 30 for 202 yards and a pick. Uh, Took six sacks. It it starts with the offensive line. Terrible game. Georgia Tech's defensive line just ate us up. We lost in the trenches on that night, on Saturday night. Uh, Can't have that. And Drake just didn't really look comfortable. He wasn't... uh, the, the interception he threw is really baffling. Uh, he hasn't made a read like that all season where it's just like, who are you throwing to? Uh, the guy was just sitting in the in the little soft flat and just threw it right at him. He made a great play hiding in disguising coverage, but he wasn't running the ball well. Only 13 yards on 14 carries uh, if you include the sacks and stuff, but um, not really making all the throws and the pressure really got to him. He looked like a freshman quarterback. On Saturday night. Uh, I thought Elijah Green was good with the run game. I wish we ran him more. Ten carries for Elijah Green. Why? Run the ball more. Gotta run the ball more on offense. Uh and then obviously, uh even with all that, we still had a chance to go win the game. And we had to play to win the game. Josh Downs did look away from the ball. He tried getting to get into the end zone first before he caught the ball. It was very easy to tell. But I'm not gonna be the guy to come on here and bash Josh Downs for the mistake. Because this guy's been one of the best receivers in the country the past two years, he's one of our best players, if not our best player. And for people getting on Josh too much, it's um, it's it's just it's sad because, I mean, I know one play can make you turn from a hero to a villain, but this guy's won us so many games. Think about the the Virginia game, the Wake Forest game, double-digit receptions, over a hundred yards. This guy has helped Drake May turn into a Heisman candidate. So the last thing we need to do is say that the season's loss is on Josh Downs. Because yes, that catch would have won us the game. But there are a lot of other things that went into that game that were not his fault. Like the offensive line. Like not running the ball enough. Like the suspect play calling. Like the bad clock management at the end of the first half. So I feel bad for Josh Downs. I hope he can bounce back against state because that's obviously a game that they really want to win. But obviously this puts an end to the heels college football playoff hopes with two losses. Obviously that's not going to happen. Now the goal is to win the ACC and then hopefully get into a new year's six bowl game. But even that this there's a really, really bad loss fell from 13 to 18 only, but man really disappointing because yeah, you could say this is a trap game and Georgia tech's defense played really well. And they had a pretty good secondary to contain our guys, but they were on a third string quarterback, a four and six Georgia Tech team coming into Keenan Stadium, a sold out stadium, and the second half is just unacceptable. It falls on coaching, falls on the players. Hopefully they can bounce back against state. Now we're not going to end on this somber of a note. It's okay, still been a very successful football season. We still have one of the best quarterbacks in the nation in Drake May, but let's get to the Mount Rushmore of UNC Athletics, and then I'm going to cap off a very fun episode today, over 20 minutes. Um, Pretty good timing for just a solo episode, but for my Mount Rushmore, I'm going Mia Hamm, no doubt, four national championships, one of the best soccer players ever. Michael Jordan, no-brainer. Lawrence Taylor, linebacker for the Giants, but did play at Carolina. He was an absolute beast, best defensive player in NFL history, in my opinion. And then, yeah, that fourth answer, you guessed it, Aaron Matson. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if you've never watched her play or you don't even know what field hockey is. Aaron Matson is on the Mount Rushmore of UNC Athletics. If you do watch her play and if you have seen her, you just know the aura she has and the dominance she displays on the field, how she controls the stick, her passes. She doesn't pass to people. She passes people open. She scores goals every single game. It's incredible to watch someone be that good compared to everyone else. And that's why I think it's so special that we have an athlete like that here. And it doesn't have to be football or basketball. I think this is actually cooler to be quite honest because I came to the school not knowing like the rules of field hockey. I never even watched the game. But yet Aaron Mattson got me invested in field hockey. She got a lot of Tar Heel fans invested in field hockey. And I think it takes a special individual to be able to do that, uh, not only with their play on the field, but then their personality off the field. She's obviously, you know, doing great things with her brand and all that. And, you know, you might be thinking this is just like an Aaron Matson episode. We're going to, you know, shout her out. But we really do need to give her her flowers because she's been so selfless over the years and has never really taken the time It seems from a a professional standpoint to really say, yeah, I did that. I'm like that. And now that the job is finished, I think she can totally do that. And it's incredible with, again, five ACC championships, going to be four national player of the years, and then four national titles in five years. We are never going to see anything like it, not only in field hockey, but in sports in a long, long time for someone to put up those accolades and their statistics uh she's third all-time in, in points and goals I, or, or goals and assists i believe in ncaa history obviously leads the acc um and yeah it's just crazy how this is the end of her time here at carolina the end of an era but it has truly been a special one so again congratulations on such an incredible career uh for, for Aaron Matson. And we'll see what the future holds for UNC field hockey. This is still going to be a really talented team, but what a way to end it. National champions, baby. UNC field hockey pulling it off once again. And on that note, that's going to do it for 125 Unfiltered. Stay tuned. I am going to push off the QA for episode 125. I'm just going to stick with sports. Got a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, we got a huge weekend. Um, we got women's soccer on Saturday football versus NC State. The World Cup is here. I want to talk about Team USA because a very uh, tough draw against Wales, but that's going to be all for next time. So thank you so much for listening to this episode and I'll speak to you next time.